Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, welcome to Maricopa County Library District Shelf Logic podcast. I'm Lindsay at Perry Library. And I'm Kimberly, also at Perry Library. So welcome, and we're happy to have you join us today. We're going to talk about one of our favorite things, which is Masterpiece Theater and the shows that air on your local PBS station. We're going to talk about a couple different shows today, and we hope that you really enjoy this. So to start off, we wanted to talk briefly about what Masterpiece Theater is. It's a series. It's part of our PBS stations. They draw a lot from the BBC Filming Corporation. So they have a lot of British shows. They do a lot of period pieces from British and American history. They also have a lot of classic mysteries and modern mysteries. Exactly. It's really fun to see like the shows that they first see over in like the UK. Mm-hmm. And then we usually get them, what, six or 12 months later, it feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah. So it's fun to have that bit of British kind of excitement and, you know, just unique shows that we might not normally get in America. So I think that's what we both really like, Masterpiece Theater. (laughs) Yeah, I really like the British flavor. I also like the quality of their productions. Yes, that is true. Uh, It's not just a low-budget, made-for-TV thing. They really put a lot of effort into the quality of their productions. Their period pieces have some great detail in the costuming, and they're historically accurate. And usually, I mean, it's just beautiful to watch. You know, like the castle or just the houses that they're in and then the beautiful countryside that it's filmed in. So it's really like a, like your senses are overloaded with the costumes and the locations and just also like the music that accompanies yeah. the shows. Yeah. It's like all around, it's just a beautiful experience. Yeah. And it's kind of like a way to escape our lives here in Arizona, yeah. you know? <laughs> So I don't, I think it's just a really awesome place to escape to. Yeah. So do you want to start talking about one of our favorites, which is Victoria? Yes. Okay. We both agreed that this is probably one of our favorites Mm -hmm. and we're excited to share it with you. So the library, we currently own all three seasons of the show. We have it on DVD, and the first season was in 2017, and then the final season was in 2019. So if you search our catalog for Victoria, you would see those DVDs that you could check out. Do you want to start talking about the overall plot of Victoria? Sure. It's about Queen Victoria and her reign, and it starts at the very beginning of the reign. At the very first episode, we hear news of her uncle's death, and so she is gotten out of bed and told that she's going to be queen. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. She was expecting it, though. Yes. <laughs> she knew it was coming. She knew that her uncle was ill and that she was next in line, so she was prepared, more prepared than anybody else thought. Yes. So throughout the seasons, we learn how Victoria stepped into this role as a beginning as a young girl of, I believe, 18? Yeah, I thought it was even younger, but it could be. She's in her teens, for sure. She's a young 
Yeah, adult. <laughs> a young adult and a woman to boot. And so she is stepping into this world of the monarchy and politics. And it's and a man's world. It's, it's mean, still very much a man's world. Yes, and she's like trying, you know, she's like put in with all these power players. Yes. And who want to control all of the components of her yeah. leadership. And so her character is very strong. She's very strong-willed. Mm-hmm. And so the story follows her first steps into the monarchy where she has to assert herself and almost fight for her place amidst the nobility and her uncles that are trying to control her and vying for power. And then there's parliament that has its mm-hmm. own agenda and wants to... Many of the players in parliament do not want to overshadow her, but they also feel the need to make sure that she's doing the right thing and doing it well. (laughs) And then later in the series, we get all these other issues coming up in the kingdom Mm -hmm. that she has to deal with. I mean, there's definitely a lot of relationships because she even has a difficult relationship with her mom, you know? So it's like, there's like, she's got that relationship. She's got parliament. She's got her uncles. Like Mm -hmm. she's got a lot to deal with. Yes. And I mean, I can't even really imagine that stress. It's also like partially about a love story about her meeting, you know, her prince and um, how that develops into like this long-term marriage and so like just talking about this you can see like there's so many different plots and stories that happened over the three seasons that is one thing i really liked about the series is that despite everything else going around her in relationships and marital relationships that she and albert were a happily married couple which was unusual among the nobility mm-hmm. And it's unusual in stories like this, but it is completely historically accurate. And I love how the series portrayed her and Albert's relationship, that they were, they married for love. And that was clear. And we could see not only that loving relationship amidst this highly charged and difficult political role that she had to play, but we saw how that marriage both struggled and succeeded. It did, because, I mean, they did definitely have pieces where they struggled. Like, I felt like Albert, you know, questioned a lot of her decisions. And so, like, it wasn't just this beautiful storybook romance, but it was real, I feel. Like, you know, they struggled over parenting decisions. They struggled over, you know, the power dynamic in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And so it was... I feel like it was accurate, and at the same time, like you said, they it was a loving relationship, and it wasn't just one based on, like, political mm-hmm. need, yeah. you know? So it was really, it was a really awesome story. Do you want to talk about, like, any of the characters that we loved or hated? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I loved Victoria and Albert, and they were, because Victoria was very strong-willed. Yes stubborn but she was also very feminine she was emotional and she was compassionate in a lot of the decisions that she made unlike many of the mm-hmm. the political players and the men around her that put other things first even if they had those qualities so you get both sides of that that yes. strong determined woman mm-hmm. and as the reverse side I loved 
Albert because he was also ambitious, but in a different way than all the other men around here. A lot of the men around here were ambitious for power, particularly her uncles. Yeah, that's a good way to describe that. Um, but they, the others were trying to control or displace Victoria, but Albert wasn't. He was searching for his own identity, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to take Victoria's place. And that was a very difficult balance that caused a lot of tension between them. I know. It's funny because I actually have one of my least favorite characters as Prince Albert. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> at times, like, he just felt really selfish mm-hmm. because he did pursue his own mm-hmm. interests. And I feel like at times he didn't support her mm-hmm. as queen mm-hmm. and he was more interested in what he needed or what he wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, I sort of have him as one of my least favorites. Okay. But at the same time, I really like him because yeah. there wouldn't be a story if yeah. it wasn't for him. Yeah. You know, like he's integral. So, yeah. it's not like he was a villain or anything like that. He was just somewhat selfish. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, at the same time, he wasn't content to just sit back and be a... A socialite. I'm the yeah, prince. that's true. He, he wanted to accomplish things. He wanted to do something, wanted yes. to accomplish something, um, and sometimes that was at odds with what Victoria saw was yes. best for the country, and that they had true. several arguments over that. Yes. I will <laughs> But they still but loved each other, right? <laughs> they did. Okay. Um, one of my favorite characters is Lord Melbourne. And, yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, I just love his character. I mean, he... Started out just there to support and to guide and to develop young Victoria and like the political job that she mm-hmm. was doing, like how to be a leader, how to be a sovereign. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it developed into a more personal, a more friendship mm-hmm. role. And then there's also like a hint that there was like a romantic you know, mm-hmm. piece to this, which is not necessarily true, but there was, in this story, it was, like, kind of an exciting part of the story. There was a bit and, of tension there. Yes, and I just, like, I just love that. Like, that was, like, one of my absolute mm-hmm. favorite characters. I yeah. adored that. I really liked Lord Melbourne, too. I felt, particularly at the beginning, Victoria was already determined yes. and strong-willed, but she was also nervous as she took those first steps. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Lord Melbourne, Lord Melbourne, excuse me, Lord M, as she called him, yes. did was <laughs> he just gave her that support and nudge, like, you know what, the, the confidence that you can do this, and you know you can, so mm-hmm. do it. Yes. Um, and I did, there was that relationship there that he was a very strong support for her at the beginning. And there was that tension, and it could have developed into something more. Mm -hmm. But he knew that for her sake, it couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that, like, made him even more my favorite character. (laughs) Because he stepped aside, you know, like, when he probably didn't want to do that. So I don't want to give away too much. Yes. Yes, he is, like, one of my favorite. Another favorite is Mr. Francatelli. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and this is where we get the story below stairs, so to speak. Exactly. So Mr. Francatelli was the chef for Queen Victoria, and I, I'm, i like, a huge fan of food and cooking, so, like, anytime there's, like, a chef component in a show like that, I'm going to love it. But he had so much passion for cooking and for food, and then 
you know, he went on to write like cookbooks for people in Britain. Like cookbooks weren't something that actually occurred a lot. No. He then like wrote books for people who were cooking at home who didn't have a lot of money. Um, and so it's neat to see like this person that I knew about as a cookbook author and historical figure like written and part of this show. So I really, really yeah. like Mr. Francatelli. Yeah. <laughs> see, I didn't know all of that. Yeah. He's, I mean, his, one of the books that he wrote was, um, in 1852 and it was called A Plain Cookery Book for the Working Classes. Wow. And like that was one of the first cookbooks ever written for someone just trying to make do with what they had at home. Mm-hmm. So, like, that to me is, like, really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any, like, least favorite characters? Um, least favorite characters? There are a couple. A lot of the characters that were cast as, you know, villains or in conflict with Victoria, a lot of them did have redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned her mother that Victoria didn't have a great relationship with because her mother was one of them that wanted to... I don't want to say control Victoria, um, but she was very influenced by those that did. That's true. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. I mean, unlike Victoria, who was very strong and trying to make her way in a man's world, her mother had been previous generation and was a little bit beaten down Mm -hmm. by the men in her life. And so she was very much influenced by those men, and Victoria saw that and kind of said no. So there was a strained relationship there. But even at the very end when these... Other characters, including her uncles and the politicians and Mr. Conroy, or Lord yeah. Conroy. Yes, Lord Conroy. Were trying to even be regent to Victoria. Her mother stood up and said, no, despite her mother's weakness mm-hmm. and her inability to stand up for many things, she would stand up for her daughter. She wanted Victoria to reign. So she That's did have Victoria's true. best interests at heart, even if she wasn't completely capable of executing it and yes. doing it. That's a- Good way, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of these minor characters in Victoria's <laughs> life that could be considered least favorite, but they also had redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. For example, Albert's brother Ernst, Ernest, excuse me, not the best morally. <laughs> no. <laughs> Didn't have the best morals, he fooled around a bit. I know. But he was also very dedicated to Albert and Victoria. Look at you. You're like picking out the good qualities of people that most of us cannot stand. (laughs) Yes. He he wasn't the best person in his social relationships, but he did have a lot of good advice for Albert that ended up helping Albert and Victoria in their beginning years. A lot of these minor characters have redeeming qualities. There were a few that I just didn't like. Yes. Victoria's uncle, Lord Cumberland, was just nasty. Yeah. He was one that, you know, resented that Victoria inherited instead of him, and he wanted the throne, so he did everything in his power to get Victoria pushed aside, and yeah, I didn't like him. Yeah. He was <laughs> not my favorite either, for yeah. sure. And several others in a similar vein that... I also, mm-hmm. one of my, going back to a favorite character was Miss Scarrett, yes. um, <laughs> who was the Queen's dresser. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a very simple title, but she she liaisoned with so many other people on staff. So, like, she had this, you know, super important relationship with the queen, and she would then go and, like, facilitate things on behalf of the queen for other things. So she had a lot of power, and 
she just she also had like a lot of things happening in her personal life and in the show she ended up connecting with Mr. Francatelli which mm-hmm. is also why she's one of my favorites yeah. but you know she played a really really good role and she mm-hmm. played a very important part for in Queen Victoria's life yeah yeah I really liked her as well and that's another thing I liked about this series is that it the focus was on Victoria and her personal life and struggles and what she did as queen, but it also brought in all these different aspects around Victoria. It brought in the situation below stairs yes. and what was going on in the palace at the time and the changes that were happening and what was going on in Parliament and the issues that the country was dealing that with. That's true. It did do a good job. Because it, it's a very turbulent time. Mm-hmm. And this is the end of the Industrial Revolution. So there's a lot of things changing and how that, how Victoria dealt with that and what she was able to do. So I brought in a lot of these different aspects that I really loved. I think it's fair to say that we both really love Victoria. Yes, we do. (laughs) Okay, so let's um, move on maybe to Poldark, which is another, another amazing show. So... (laughs) Much more dramatic than Victoria in its own way. Almost yes. um, melodramatic. <laughs> so, Poldark, it's based on books that were written by Winston Graham, and the library does have book, ebook, and e audiobook format for those titles. We also have um, the five seasons of Poldark. We have it on DVD and Blu ray. So, it ran from 2015 to 2019. Yes. And. I think we should just get started talking okay. about how amazing Poldark is. Yes. <laughs> so what's the, how would you describe the overall like plot of Poldark? Oh, well, the, <laughs> it's a very, very involved story over the five seasons. And it does follow primarily the main character of Ross Poldark. Captain Ross Captain Poldark. Ross Poldark, excuse me. <laughs> um, and he was a... His family was a noble family, yes. but his father was a second son, so he did not carry the title, and his father's lands were the less important, larger lands. So his uncle Charles had the main house in the title. Um, so Ross, he went and he served in the American War, what we call the American Revolution. Yes. So at the beginning of the story, he is coming home from the revolution and he finds out when he gets back to England that his father has been dead for six months. His estate is in shambles and in debt. Yes. Basically everything has fallen apart. Everything has fallen apart. His The towns and the people around him are living in poverty. And he goes to his uncle's house because there's nobody at his house. As everybody has thought him dead, and they've moved on with their life, and his unofficial fiance, his sweetheart, is now engaged to his cousin. So his world is... I would say completely upended. Completely upended. That's a very nice way of putting it. (laughs) Because I think... I mean, I can't imagine, first of all, people thinking that I'm dead and mm-hmm. knowing that the person that you thought you were going to be married to and fall in love with is now not even remotely available. Yeah. You know, like, and then you're in debt. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a mess, basically. Fine. 
But that's the start of the start. this amazing story. <laughs> and so when you follow him throughout this story, he is picking up the pieces of his life. And rather than just tossing it away and going blazing a new trail, mm-hmm. he decides to stay and salvage this area. So it's set in Cornwall, yes. which is the southwest tail of the British Isle. And so it's a little remote, but it's also a center for trade and development in what is now the beginning in the middle of the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of changes going on in the society, moving from an agrarian to the industrial society. Yes. And that plays a huge part in the story as as he's trying to rebuild his house and his life and his livelihood. He's dealing with economic challenges from all over. Yes, I mean, because there's just so much poverty that Mm -hmm. he is surrounded by, and, you know, he's Mm -hmm. trying to help those individuals the best that he can. But, yeah, I mean, the struggles Mm -hmm. of that time period are definitely played out within the story and on the screen. And that's a big part of Ross's character is that, unlike a lot of the other aristocracy, he cares about his tenants and he wants them to be able to survive. And he puts his back into making sure that they survive with him and not just looking to his own needs. And that Very makes, true. makes him... He, he tries to get them jobs when mm-hmm. there really aren't jobs. Mm-hmm. He tries to make sure they have like food mm-hmm. and that they're not just completely destitute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to talk about something very important, which is how he meets Demelza. Yes. <laughs> yes. So oh. when he comes home, he's actually still in love with his cousin's fiance. That's very hard for him to let go. And yeah. we won't have any spoilers about what happens with that relationship. Yeah. That is a continuing presence in this story, but the woman he takes as his wife is Demelza. Do you want to tell that story? Sure. Um, he meets Demelza at, like, this local market, I would say, where she's kind of like a street urchin, yeah. almost, and he, like, purchases her, essentially, to be his scullery maid at mm-hmm. home, and it's like this love story that you don't really think is going to happen, but yet it does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's basically his maid doing everything at home, and she does that very poorly because she doesn't really know how to be a maid. Um, well, see, I would have done it thinking she does it very well. She's learning on the job. Well, that is true. So then she, and then like as the story progresses, I mean, it's just amazing to see her development. Mm-hmm. Because in the very beginning, it was like, whoa, what is. She didn't know how to do things. But like you said, she did learn on the job. But their love story and their relationship is essential to the story of Poldark. As is her background, because he is of noble descent. And she's not. Not And apart from getting the backlash that he gets from his peers and his business partners because he is marrying... Essentially the... Like the... the Below the stairs. Below the stairs. His maid. Yes. Who's a farmer's daughter at best. Mm -hmm. That relationship was not unheard of in that day, but it was very looked down upon. Yes. But it also shows how well that... Ross was able to see and have a relationship with some of these quote-unquote lower classes of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of Demelza that, you know, she keeps him connected yeah. in, in a way to that mm-hmm. part of the community, and mm-hmm. she helps him not forget mm-hmm. 
that there are people struggling and that there is strife and that they have a responsibility to help them. It's also interesting to see how she bridges the gap and becomes his lady, basically, because she has to become the mistress of the house. That is hard for her. I know. Um, And to be accepted by Ross's family and Peter's. Mm -hmm. So... And I think we should also say that Aiden Turner plays Captain Poldark. Yes. And I think there's a gazillion women. Yes. <laughs> potentially yes. men who think, like, he's super attractive. Yes, that is So I think that's also, like, part a big part of this story. And I found this super funny quote, uh, which I was like, oh, my God, that's how I feel. But it's this person said, every time I see Ross riding his horse fiercely from his house to his cousin's house, I want to book a trip to Cornwall. (laughs) And I was like, that's how I felt. Because I was like, it's so beautiful. There's so much passion. The scenery's gorgeous. I'm like, I just want to go there and, like, move there, you know. So I was like, that is probably the best quote ever. Yes. And that was another thing I really liked about this series is the cinematography and the filming. A lot of other masterpiece theaters, Victoria in particular, focuses a lot on the people. And if you look at the filming, they focus a lot on faces and emotions. Yes. But Poldark, they have a lot of the scenery and the landscapes. And when you watch it, there's several segments that don't have any dialogue at all. And it's all about... Him riding across the countryside <laughs> or him thinking. There are some faces in there, too. But, you know, it's it's just the visuals like the and the music. Yeah. And yes. That is, it's almost its own character in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the landscape of Cornwall and how the countryside is very much a part of these people's lives. True. Very true. So. Do you want to talk about your favorite character or characters? Uh... Yes. <laughs> um, one of my favorite characters was Demelza. Yeah. Oh my god, that's my favorite too. But you go ahead. Okay. She's very genuine. She's very loyal. She's very strong-willed. Mm-hmm. She's had a rough life. She's also she's practically minded because of just her experience, but she's also very romantic. I mean, she's in love with Ross before he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. So, but she's not naive enough to believe or to think that he has feelings for her before she does. So she's this very passionate, but also practical, strong-willed woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked seeing her progression, not just you know, as a housemaid to the mistress, but as a woman and a strong character in the community. As she, Yes, um, that's, I agree completely. Uh, that she has compassion for those around her and even has compassions for her brothers who are used to be abusive towards her. But once they change their way, she welcomes them and tries to find mm-hmm. a place. She's dealing with Ross's challenges and what's going on in the community and even some of I don't want to have any spoilers but some of Ross's missteps Mm -hmm. Um, he is in some ways a I don't say fallen hero but he is a very mortal and a human hero and so she is to deal with some of Ross's difficulties and she does it very well she does I mean like as the show progresses I feel like Ross spends more and more time away from Mm -hmm. Cornwall Mm -hmm. and she ends up running the house you know and like that was really exciting to see because 
She's there making important decisions. Mm -hmm. She's there communicating with the community Mm -hmm. and those that are in need. And it's amazing to see that compared to season one, episodes Mm -hmm. one, two, and three. You know, it's like she has literally grown and matured. And I think that's why she's my favorite because she just is like so amazing at what she does. But she's also really humble. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite, well, there are many, but one of my favorite scenes when Neil Ross comes back and Demel was talking, well, this is what I've done. And he says, well, why did you do that? Why didn't you consult me? He's like, you're gone and I'm here and I'm mistress of the house and I have to run things. Yes. <laughs> and he has a hard time accepting that, but he eventually does. Mm-hmm. But it's just that the realization that she is, that she's in, in control of what's going on. Do you have any other favorite characters or should we move to least favorite? Uh, I have one that's kind of in the middle. Okay. And that is... Elizabeth, and oh, this is this is Ross's first love, his sweetheart. That um, I almost had her as my least favorite character. Yes, <laughs> um, but she has been put in a very difficult situation as well. And unlike Demelza, there is no way out for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Ross was gone, and so she went ahead and became engaged to Ross's cousin, who was heir to the title of the Poldark. Yes. She's now in the big house, and then Ross comes home, and she's obviously still in love with Ross, but is honorable and will keep her engagement to his cousin. Right. And so that marriage starts out very difficult. And it's like, I forget that women didn't really have a choice back then. They didn't. You know, like, this is how her life is going to be, and yeah. you just, you know, stick with it. Yeah. So, yeah, so she's in, in somewhat a loveless marriage. And there's some affection there, but... Francis. Francis. There we go. (laughs) Um, Her husband, Francis Poldark, sorry, there are a lot of Poldarks, we got to be clear, is not a strong character as Ross was. Uh, Well, here is Ross, you know, working with the land and determined to make things succeed. Mm -hmm. And Francis is content to, you know, sit in his house and be the gentleman. Yes. Or part of it is because that his father won't let him do anything. (laughs) So I don't want to get too deeply into Francis. And so Elizabeth has this husband whom she has a little bit of affection for, but not much, and who is basically wasting away the family fortunes with failed business attempts and jealousies and gambling. And and she is, she's just been given a bad lot, and it goes from bad to worse. Yes. And again, no spoilers about the <laughs> end, but it's just very turbulent. And she is left with not many choices and... She does make some poor choices, but she doesn't have any other choice. So she ends up in a really bad place at the end of the stories. But I, I feel for her. I wouldn't say she's my least favorite because as a person, she is very loving, very compassionate and does the best with what she's given. But she wasn't given much. You are very persuasive because I think she just moved out of my least favorite to Middle of the road. Middle of the road. <laughs> so thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, she does do a lot of things that hurt Ross and Demelza and whatnot, but... Like you said, she doesn't really have a choice, mm-hmm. so... She makes the best of what she has, even though that's not good. Yes. So did you have any... My least favorite is Carrie Warleggen. I mean, he's just... Yeah. The Warleggens are just, like, not... Okay, so we need to... Yes. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. We have to go back and explain who the war leggings are. The war leggings are the the new money, the new aristocrats. This is the family that has come up from being tradesmen and are now the bankers of the area. So they are 
part of you know investing and funding a lot of these the mining ventures. Cornwall is very heavy into mining; that's their livelihood. But when the mines do poorly, they have to take out loans, and the, the war leggings are the holders of all these loans. And their agenda is not to make people succeed. Their agenda is to get as much money as possible. So they love foreclosing and calling in debts to get as much money as they can. So this, the war leggings really are the villains in this yeah. whole story because yeah. they are heartless. <laughs> I mean, there's zero empathy. There's zero care for the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all it is is about getting money and having ideas that will cause pain to everyone else. So, and they're very manipulative. <laughs> yes. I mean, so Carrie, we're like, and he's just the worst. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he's definitely my least favorite just because of the pain that he causes mm-hmm. the other characters. But so it was Elizabeth, but now it's Carrie. Okay. <laughs> and she does some pretty nasty things too. Yeah. Polgark has a very turbulent plot line. We don't want to give away much, but it's not quite a melodrama, but it's it's not over the top, but the but it it verges. It verges. <laughs> it's a very up and down emotional plot and that was the time period as well. We've got the social political intrigue and sometimes scandal going on. Yes. So, well, that. I hope that you guys have enjoyed our conversation today. Do you have anything else that you want to add about these two titles? Um, not about these two titles. I just wondered if you wanted to briefly highlight others in the Masterpiece Theater. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay. So, I mean, there is Sanditon, which the library also owns, which is based off of an unfinished Jane Austen work. Mm-hmm. And... Wait, there is one season of that. And go ahead. Okay. I just, I was looking on the Masterpiece website and I noticed something this morning that they have announced two more seasons of Sanditon. I know. My husband sent me a text and he was like, you won't believe it. Seasons two and three are coming. And I was like, that's amazing. amazing. So Sanditon, you know, is, it's more, I would say more soapy-esque. And a yes. little more um, adult slash mature themed. It is. It's Jane Austen, but it's unfinished, so it's less polished and less developed. And, and it's open to interpretation. And open to interpretation. So yes. I imagine that's what they will be doing in seasons two and three because exactly. <laughs> there's no original work for Jane Austen. Yes. <laughs> there's also Mr. Selfridge, yes. which is about... Selfridge and Company in London, which is this amazing department store that essentially pioneered how we view customer service today mm-hmm. and offered just this completely novel way of going shopping. Yeah. And people either love or hate that show. Yes. <laughs> well, it was one of the first department stores in yes. London and it's particularly the first high-end one. And yes. so there's... And then, do you want to mention Sherlock? I really like Sherlock, and this is another side of the Masterpiece Theater collection, is they also do a lot of mysteries Mm -hmm. from both period pieces and modern. I really liked Sherlock. It's based on the Sherlock Holmes novels, but it's set in the early 21st century. So you've got a Sherlock and a Dr. Watson character, but they're doing the whole crime-solving thing. Um, and I particularly enjoy puzzles and logic games and everything. So that's what appealed to me about this one is that you've got this whole detective 
clues and mystery and figuring things out as well. So I really How like many that. seasons? Of- there are four seasons. four seasons. It was first started in 2012. Okay. They are open to a fifth season, but it's been a while and they're in, they've got a lot of... Um, they have big names in the actor lineup. Oh, so okay. getting them all back together again for another season is a little difficult. Okay. Um, and they're still working on the script. So they could be another season. But nothing has been announced yet. I wish they would. So, um, I don't, This has been a really good talk. Yeah. And we just want to remind everyone that all of these resources that we talked about are available at the Maricopa County Library yeah. District. Just go to our website at www.mcldaz.org and you can search for each of these titles. We hope that you really enjoy this conversation and that you come and check out some of these wonderful shows on Masterpiece Theater. And this is Lindsay signing off. This is Kimberly. I hope you enjoyed listening to us and that you come see some of these shows. Awesome. Have a wonderful day and take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.